Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, watching old television to figure out why everything has been broken beyond repair. My name is Marty Schneider. I'm one of your hosts. I'm that other host, Dan Ludwig. And Dan, I have an important question, something that has been on my mind for a while, something I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the last verse of the 1989 Young MC hit Bust a Move, Young presents you, the listener, with the following scenario. Your best friend Harry has a brother Larry. In five days from now, he's going to marry. He's hoping you can make it there if you can, because in the ceremony, you'll be the best man. And I have several questions about this. First off, why are you Larry's best man and not his own brother Harry? You're not even Larry's best friend. You're Harry's best friend. So why has Larry chosen to make his brother's best friend his best man? Second, you need... Go ahead, go ahead. You need way, 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 way more than five days notice to be the best man. There is a lot of work involved in being the best man. Why has Larry put this off so long? Why are you just now learning this? And also, why is he so nonchalant about you showing up? He's hoping you can make it there if you can. Why doesn't he care if his best man shows up? So the only thought, the only thing that I can think of that makes any sense is that Harry was originally supposed to be best man. And somehow, five days before the wedding, there was a falling out between Harry and Larry. And Larry, to spite his brother, has asked his brother's best friend to take that space. So the questions are, what happened to Larry and Harry? What happened there? And will you, the listener, betray your best friend by stepping into that role for his brother? Because I feel like you don't want any fucking part of that shit. I mean, Harry must have done some shit. It couldn't have been severe enough as, like, for example, having sex with the fiancé, because that would probably cancel the wedding. But, like, you don't change best man's five days before the wedding for, like, nothing. Because that's got to be a logistical nightmare. Everyone's upset. Honestly, half the wedding party is going to be furious that Harry is no longer the best man. So, like, Harry did some shit. I don't think I'm on Harry's side. Larry has to have a fucking reason. Maybe, maybe. I feel like you gotta, like, almost postpone the wedding if you and your brother are on the outs that bad, though. I mean, so, but Larry is not hoping that you'll agree to be his best man. That's kind of the crazy thing is Harry, Larry hopes that you go to the wedding because you're his best man now. So you you didn't RSVP. You you weren't even invited. You weren't even supposed to be there. You didn't even agree to go to this wedding. Maybe you got an invitation, but you did not send it back. So he's now like, hey, man, I really need to know chicken or fish because you're my best man. Which would which, make sense, right? Because, like, I'm not going to go to your brother's wedding, right? Like, that would be weird. Maybe your brother would invite me, but I'm not going to make an effort to get out there. Yeah. Maybe if you're my plus one. Oh, maybe he's Larry's plus one. I don't know. Uh, this whole thing is. A that little, makes is it a... even worse. That makes it even yeah. more confusing. Yeah. Like, also, dickhead parents, you're going to give your kids rhyming names? 
Are, what are they, Alice in Wonderland characters? Are you trying to get their asses kicked? My two sons, Harold and Lerald. <laughs> you fucking assholes. You've just given some playground bully years of ammunition. He just needs to think of one more rhyme and he can destroy your children. Straight up Donald Duck's nephew's ass fucking names. Yeah, goddammit, these kids are screwed. No wonder they have bad relationships with each other. They've probably had a terrible adolescence. I, I think in this scenario, I don't know. I think I'd be the best man. I think he probably has a good reason which, to ask which me. I, I, mm, I don't know, man. You're you're asking me to step into a role claimed by my best friend. If Unless my best friend did some real fucked up shit, I don't know if I can do that, right? That's, that is a family issue that I want no part of. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that we're going – I'm going into this with the same amount of information as uh, – uh, is this Young MC, did you say? Yeah, yeah, young, young MC has presented you with this information and nothing else. The rest of the verse is about you trying to have sex with bridesmaids, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I ask follow-up questions and Young MC is like, No! That is not in the song! No, no, there all you no do... no call-in response section! Do you know what your response is? You say neato. You say neato, check your libido, and go to the church in your new tuxedo. That is what you fucking do, according to Young okay, MC. Okay, so I'm also a dirtbag. But also, Nito. Nito is your response in this. Like, oh, okay. Nito. So, I'm fucking Pee Wee Herman and also a dirtbag. <laughs> okay. You cool. want it? You want it, baby? You got it. Yeah. Okay, so, it's kind of moot because... The young MC is like, what would you do in this moral quandary? And I'm like, I don't know, young MC. I have questions. He's like, you're going to get your dick wet. That's what you're going to do. That's right. Like, I didn't know that was a bubble to, to to fill in on this SAT prep question. That's right. And busting a move is all about bubbles. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, man, you know what to do. Hey, bust a move. Yeah, yeah, I guess you do just have to bust a move <laughs> all over your move. friend's brother's wedding. So there you go, bud. Yeah, yeah. That's my um, that's my intro. You told me I wasn't allowed to talk about quarantine, so here's what we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's better than what I had, which is uh uh in the Golden Girls universe, Hitler is alive and hiding out in Wisconsin. That Please go on. Please go on. Oh, yeah, so uh I my my recent experience, due to circumstances that I won't elaborate on, is that I've been watching a shitload of Golden Girls, and uh, this this is like super off topic for what our uh, our podcast is about. But uh, sometimes when you binge old TV, it rapidly becomes upsetting because small details pile up. Oh, uh, we never talk about that. Go on. This is yeah. this is new uncharted territory for us. And the Golden Girls universe is a nightmare, including <laughs> one detail. Uh, Rose has to do, like, a high school level class on history, and she gets one answer wrong because she's shown a picture of Hitler, and she says, uh, that's my high school history teacher, and, uh, Dorothy presses her on it, and she, uh, she describes Eva Braun before being shown a picture of Eva Braun, and he, she's like, yeah, that's his wife, Martha. So, and then they just, like, brush past it. So in the Golden Girls universe, Hitler did not in fact commit suicide in that bunker. He escaped Germany, came to America, went to the town of St. Olaf in northern Wisconsin, and became a high school history teacher. And that's just in the show. 
and it's been consuming my every waking thought. Oh, there's there's definitely already like golden guys. Like like there's definitely already multiple podcasts about pe- dudes watching the Gilmore Golden Girls. Oh yeah, no, there, I'm there, going there, to there, there there is also a Gilmore Guys podcast, which is two guys watching <laughs> Gilmore Girls, and I got some motherfucking thoughts about Gilmore Girls. I wish I could join you down that road, but I I tried watching Gilmore Girls once and just like zoned. My brain turned into a black hole. I zoned out so fucking hard. Gilmore Girls, I think, ruined my fucking life. <laughs> Do you think? I feel like if we like go into other territories and we start doing like TV podcasting about other shows, like uh, like the Golden Girls podcast, will just like like roll up on me on the street and just get out and beat the shit out of me and just be like, stay in your fucking lane. All right. You're an Andy Griffith show podcast. You want to talk about golden girls? You start your own golden girls podcast. You've been warned and then spit on me as they walk away. Stay out of Riverdale, which yeah. is, which is a, a Riverdale podcast that isn't as good as sex Archie. <laughs> yeah, no, just like, like the, the TV podcast turf wars are very intense. We talked about Frasier for like half an episode. I got death threats. Yeah, yeah. Someone people, tried to people mail wrote me a us pipe hate bomb. mail. People wrote yeah. us hate mail. Yeah. Uh, one day we're gonna work up the the courage to talk about CW's Arrow, and I'm genuinely afraid of what's going to happen. I'm one of us will die. Those people are scary. Yeah, I, I guess the problem is like I'm genuinely surprised that there were no other successful Andy Griffith podcasts before us, like. One other person tried it once, and they didn't get past season one. And quite frankly, no, no shame, no shame. Yeah, it is to our credit. Mostly, just we found the last thing that no one has a podcast about. Like we got, I think we basically got the last one. Like we got in the last uh, available boat before it was like we did it all. There's literally a podcast about everything now. Thanks, Dan and Marty, for sealing it up. <laughs> All right, we got in there right at the end, right at the very end. Mm. So should we go ahead and talk about the Andy Griffith show now? Let's talk about one episode of TV that's, again, nothing, and one that's something, I think, probably. Yeah, yeah, so, um, okay, so our, our, our rule that we don't always follow, but generally our rule is we talk about the more interesting episode first. Uh, so in that case, it's, uh, season three, episode fifteen, Barney and the Governor, originally airs January seventh, nineteen sixty-three. Written by a couple of new names I haven't seen before, Bill Friedman and Henry Sharp, and directed by actually Frankenstein is the doctor's name. The monster's name is Bob Sweeney, the claymation mayor who cancels Christmas. Bob Sweeney. And here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia: Barney writes a parking ticket on the governor's car and refuses to tear it up. The governor visits Mayberry to congratulate Barney, but Barney mistakenly believes he is in trouble. See, here's a good one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Here's one that's like, okay, I understand, and that is what happened in this episode, but it leaves out a good chunk of the episode. The part of the episode that's actually good. Yeah. Uh, no, the episode, like, I like stopped watching halfway through I was like this episode sucks ass and then came back later I was like oh this episode fucking rules yeah you uh, you were texting me and you were like what this is awful this is nothing and I was like trust me trust yeah. me it gets good 
So let's let's launch right into it. It opens up with uh, a bunch of old dudes just hanging out, just sitting outside of Mayberry, uh, like the grocery store, just on a bench. Just being vultures in a Disney cartoon. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just like, just, you know, heckling as old men do. Just just a bunch of retirees just chattering. and I cannot wait to be an old man so I can hang out in front of places and heckle shit. Just, you don't even have to do a good job because you're an old man. Like, you don't have to have snappy lines. You can just be mean. It's gonna be great. There is a uh, a general all-purpose, like, the Streets of Mayberry theme that plays sometimes on the show. It's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. This is the sound of Mayberry. And it's just like the general purpose theme. And I actually think I kind of like it more than the actual Andy Griffith show theme. Yeah. And no, it it's basically the show's a way of announcing, hey, some shit's about to happen. Yeah. You just yeah. wait. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's the like, yeah, it's boring now, but it's going to get boring in a different way in a couple of seconds. It's basically the equivalent of combat music in a video game, where when, like, the delightful little twinkle of uh, of piano keys starts happening, you're like, oh, someone's about to go, go fucking off on Barney. And in this case, it's, guy throws a gum wrapper on the ground as Barney walks by, and then Barney yells at him for littering. He takes a dude's cigar and throws it on the ground, like, for smoke. It's just some old guys just... Pushing Barney's buttons because they're bored and they can. And it's the easiest fucking thing in the world to do. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm gonna, uh, I think I'm gonna, I'm put in a pretty bad position because yet again, I'm pro Barney. Like yet again, Barney is fucking, I think completely right for this entire episode. Barney is exceptional for this episode or two in a row, uh, which is terrifying because either a, he's evolving as a character or B I'm getting worse as a person. We're devolving. We're dropping to Barney's level. Yeah. He's infected us. Uh, we have, we have been fifed, uh, and we'll never totally recover as human beings, but you know, he's yelling at people for littering. Don't fucking litter. He's fucking with old men by throwing out their cigars. Love it. Fuck with old men. It's great. And they're fucking with him back. This is the game that they're playing. Um, his, the only downside is he does use a broken window theory where he's like, oh, you do some litter and then someone else does some litter and suddenly our streets are disgusting and suddenly there are people running around with machine guns. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's got a slippery slope argument. And also, you know, he's just like, I better frisk these dudes. Like, Barney would be all over stopping and frisking. Which like, it it is for the excuse that he can say nip it in the bud. Right. Uh, his terrible catchphrase that he says four and a half times over the course of this episode. Oh my god, nip it in the... That's why old people love nip it in the bud so much. Because what they, he's actually saying is, frisk him now, Andy! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he uses it to justify, in these two episodes, enforcing petty laws and also beating kids. He does it in the in another episode. He does it to justify his like he does like a scared straight program in the other episode we're going to talk about. Basically, what the what the slogan is is him just saying like overreact wildly with authority. Nip it in the bud actually means shoot them for having pot. Let God sort them out. Nip it in the bud. Marijuana should be a class one drug. <laughs> yeah. It's. I feel like the writers' room got some like. Harvey Bullock wrote one time, 
nip it in the bud. And for some reason, people liked that. So the writers were like, oh my god, we need to make nip it in the bud a thing. We need to develop these contrived scenarios to make it adult context, uh, or adult makes sense in context. For for what purpose? Were they selling, ma- like, Andy Griffith merchandise at this point? Like, the capitalist merchandising machine had not yet hit the CBS lot, I don't feel. There there weren't tours. You weren't walking away with a nip-it-in-the-bud mug. They, they must have done, like, the first time of doing focus groups. And they were like, listen, guys, I understand it as little as you. Nip-it-in-the-bud is testing through the roof. It makes no earthly sense. But the American public is fucking moronic so i guess make this crazy happen for it they're crazy yeah. for it what tv show catchphrases were there before nip it in the bud i love lucy had at least two one one was lucy you got some explaining to do the other was like well ricky yeah Which I, I i guess is less a catchphrase and more a uh recurring gag um, yeah Honeymooners had one of these days, Alice. I'm gonna punch you in the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm going to fucking like beat the shit out of you. Which honestly, like looking back, it's like I'm glad that it was a uh, it was a reoccurring threat of something that would eventually happen, and not him being like, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you again. Yeah. Which like it could have been so much worse. Of like, oh, you're going to the moon again, Alice. Uh, uh, so at least there's that. Um, uh, the uh, Flintstones would have been contemporary. Flintstones had yabba dabba do. Um, have they like just fucking invented catchphrases? Is that why like, like that must have been it? Is like other shows invented catchphrases, and they were like, "All right, guys, what you got? Andy Griffith show needs a hot catchphrase that we can put on merch." And they were like, um. Barney said nip it in the bud this week. Do you want to go with that? And the guy was like, sure, do you think America will like it? And be like, yeah, they're stupid as shit. It is very weird to think that the Flintstones, the Flintstones actually predates Andy Griffith by about two years. Yeah. Uh, and was airing during primetime, right? So this was like, oh, we can put cartoons on at eight in the afternoon or eight in the evening and people will watch it. Um, and it aired for like eight years, no, six years, nineteen sixty to nineteen sixty six. So yeah, they were contemporaries, which it is, is a little weird to think. It's kind of to their credit because like the Flintstones sucks. It's all just like oh, we use a dinosaur as a lawnmower. But I thought the Flintstones was from like the nineteen seventies. So like it sucks by like the time I thought it was. I guess for like the sixties, it was like blowing doors off hinges. Uh, like the, oh. the, the the 70s they were like well what's gonna go on in the future and that's where they they brought up the jetsons yeah, yeah. uh and yeah, also so I, like what else can we do with this stoner and his dog how they solve <laughs> mysteries don Knotts will also appear in that can we talk about how weird those fucking don Knotts episodes of the new scooby-doo movies are because those things aired after the fucking Andy Griffith show went off the air and they put Don Knotts in his Mayberry uniform, but they don't call him the character of Barney Fife. They're like, it's Don Knotts. And they act as if Don Knotts has like legal capabilities and can arrest people. Yeah. They act as if the actor Don Knotts like has any legal authority whatsoever. And is not just a man wearing the costume of a character he played three years prior. (laughs) 
honestly, I was always destined to be this pedantic asshole because I would be watching the new episodes of Scooby-Doo on like Boomerang or Cartoon Network or wherever they were. And I would be like, Harlem Globetrotters, there's like 15 of you. Just beat up the ghost. You, <laughs> Your odds are great. What are you doing? Or like... Sonny, Bono, and Cher, just call security. You have resources and money. It makes sense for the kids because they're homeless. Just call somebody. <laughs> I would, the new adventures of Scooby-Doo, I would always take issue with their fucking, uh, uh their fucking guest casting. star. Yeah, because their stunt casting would always be, like, a rich person. And I'd be like, you definitely have security. My, like... A, like nine-year-old ass was pointing out flaws in Scooby-Doo's internal logic. the The Globetrotters always actually pissed me off because I was like, "Just beat him up! They're, you're all giants, and he's a spaceman. He's not even supposed to be like incorporeal. He's a zombie. Just kick his ass." Did you know they brought that that formula back a few years ago? There was, like, a what's new Scooby-Doo, like, new Scooby-Doo mysteries where, like, contemporary celebrities like Kenan Thompson and Sia were, like, the guest stars. Uh, And I watched one episode. I watched the Sia episode, which was, like, uh, a a monster was possessing Sia's hair pieces and wigs and making, like, robberies as a possessed Sia. That sounds incredible. It sounds ridiculous. It's insane. <laughs> Bad shit. I, I just, I want to see one episode of Scooby-Doo. And if I was like a Scooby-Doo writer, I would pitch this uh, and just like absolutely burn the world down. Where it would just be like, Fred's just like, listen, just this one time, let's just bum rush the ghost. Let's just, <laughs> like, I do, our track record suggests that these have all been old men. This and is, next time we just, can go. It's, it's just, a, it's just an old, old man. Let's just punch him. Yeah. Just like, and Fran be like, listen, next week we're going to go back to our, our thing of, uh, solve, of sneaking around and solving the mystery because, like, again, it could be a ghost. But just this one time, let's roll these dice and let's just kick this ghost's ass. I mean, worst worst case scenario, what happens? It's a real ghost. We've proved the existence of the paranormal. Our hands go through them, uh, and then we got to do the same thing we normally do. But let's just yeah. let's just go with it. Let's just go like, with it. Let's just beat up this old man in as in a scuba suit. Like, like, like. Listen, uh, it can't. If it does turn out to be a ghost, it can't kill all of us. And the one that dies will probably be Shaggy, and he does not have very much to live for. Like Zoinks, man! <laughs> like Zoinks! Oh. Shaggy's not going out that way! <laughs> oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shuffle these sandwiches together like a deck of cards, and I've got a fucking gun! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shaggy's always packing! Yeah, just like... You think there's only Scooby Snacks in this bag? No, fuck you! <laughs> Shaggy's had way too many deals go bad. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know that you know that that characteristic of Shaggy where he always refers to himself in the third person. That thing that was definitely on the show and not a thing that I just made up. It, w- otherwise, we could have forgotten who you were talking about. Right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Like zoinks. <laughs> it's actually a solid Shaggy. I I got a shot a solid Shag because look at me. <laughs> yeah, that was a Halloween costume for for you for a solid minute. Yeah. So we, back to the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> so anyway, so, so Barney... back to Space Ghost. 
So, uh, these old guys, uh, they goad Barney into giving a ticket, basically. Uh, Barney walks across the street to go, I don't know, have a conversation. And they see a very nice, shiny new car that's parked. And they realize that it's parked in a no-parking zone. So, they call Barney over and they're like, Hey, Barney, looks like you're not doing your job, asshole. Look at this car. This car is in a no-parking zone. Uh... What what they know and what Barney doesn't is that it is the governor's car. Yeah. Um. So the um, governor of North Carolina is parked there. Barney begins to write up a ticket, and then the chauffeur of the governor's chauffeur walks out, played by Rance a, Howard. Yeah. Well, that's played another by, fucking Howard. Yeah, it's it's Clint and Ron's dad. Uh, the chauffeur who is a fucking prick because he parked his car in a no parking zone. And when uh, he comes out to Barney writing the ticket, he's like, do you know who my boss is? Like, he's a prick about it. He's like, ah, you're going to get fired. Fuck you. Uh, he abuses someone else's power. <laughs> and Barney, uh, to his credit, Barney thinks about it for a second. And then he looks at the old fuckers like he's got to impress these guys. Yeah, he doesn't. He does not do it for altruistic reasons. He's not like. Duty and honor and, you know, corruption. He's just like, well, I can't get punked in front of these old, old men. Uh, I'll never hear the end of it, so I guess I gotta write this guy a ticket? Yeah, I, I have to, like, uphold my honor around these retired farmers, these former hobos, these fucking yeah. transient workers who just got lucky. Yeah, these... Uh, these fucking guys who barely survived the Great Depression. Uh, fucking, and the, honestly, is a great part of this episode that he writes the ticket, and he's like, here, uh, I don't care who you are, and then the car drives off, and the old men on a dime just go from like, ha fuck you, Barney, to like, what did you do? <laughs> fuck, what did we do? Like, their facial expressions immediately just go like, Fuck. We just ended a man's career. Uh, so the next thing that happens is that the old men are like, yo, dude, what the fuck did you do? And Barney yells, I'm not in wearing this uniform to make friends and influence people, which is a reference to a book I did not think was out yet. Yeah, how, yeah. To, how to win friends and influence people. I didn't realize that book was that old. Yeah, weird. I thought that came out in like the 80s, but also I don't totally know what that book is about, so whatever <laughs> a I better a, show would have would have like done any research on this whatsoever from what i understand it's a book about how to be an asshole <laughs> yeah it, it, it's definitely like a book that if it were written today would have been written by like somebody who calls himself a serial entrepreneur 100 percent, it is recommended reading for like u penn's business school yeah like, wharton grads yeah, all Wharton grads have read How to Make Friends and Influence People. Because that's a thing that you have to read about. You're a fucking sociopath. Uh, like, how to make, I how to blink and, uh, and not stab people. The book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, and so it cuts to the jail where, uh, Barney has just finished, uh, explaining everything and it almost cuts to Andy just going like, "Ugh!" Like, like yeah. just cuts off the end of him, like, like being like, "Oh, we're so screwed." Barney defends himself, 
Andy's like, uh, I kind of agree with you, but couldn't you have let it go just this once? Couldn't you have been a fucking chill dude? Yeah, he basically says, like, listen, I think you did the right thing and I stand by you, but also you could have totally not done the right thing. Yeah, you, you would have been fine to not do this. Uh, the mayor comes in. The mayor is furious. Mm. The mayor is furious. He tells Barney, shut the fuck up. You don't talk. You don't ever talk in my presence again. Shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great moment where Barney's like, I want to defend myself. And the mayor is like, you don't exist. Like, I wave you away like a moth. Uh, he demands that Andy call and apologize. He says, like, I know the governor. You need to call the governor right now. And Andy says, Barney, you, you need to leave. And Barney, he kicks Barney out. And he tells the mayor, no, no, you yeah. want to call so bad, you call. I'm not doing this. Gives him the phone. The mayor calls. The mayor's made a big deal about, like, how he knows the governor personally. They're friends. Maybe I can smooth this over. Nobody at the governor's office knows who the hell he is. Yeah, um, the, his assistant doesn't know. And the mayor's like, well, maybe Well, that's just a new assistant. And then he has to spell his name to the mayor, like, 15, 15 fucking times. 15 times. They were like, how else can we show that... Can, should, should we come up with, like, three or four different ways that we can show that the governor doesn't know? No, let's just have him spell his name a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, you could have been, like, from the thing and the thing. You met my wife. Da, 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 da. Like, I just did this in, like, two seconds. Yeah. You just, like... Yeah. yeah like, not un not understanding what the guy's name is is such a weird thing to hit over and over again. Yeah, um, like, if, if you spell it to me once and I don't get it, I'm not going to get it any more time. Whatever. Uh, yeah, it's a dumb bit. Anyway, um, anyway, turns out the governor is actually fine with this. The governor's like, he's he's, he's fucking jazzed. <laughs> the governor's so into this. He's like, yeah, I thought that was really cool of your deputy to do. Uh, I want to come by and shake this guy's hand because he's got fucking balls. Like, good for him. Yeah. Uh, Andy says, cool, great. He hangs up the phone. He tells the mayor, this is key. He tells the mayor. Don't tell Barney about this. I want to tell him myself and surprise him. Right? Great idea for your paranoid, terrified deputy. Yeah. Like, you're a guy that definitely doesn't overreact wildly and responds well when he has information withheld. This is an amazing uh, idea for someone who has never met Barney Fife. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to give him a special surprise that he's not fired. <laughs> Uh, so the next scene, uh, so by the way, at this point, like you and I are both watching going, shut the fuck up this episode. This episode is dumb. So here's where it's this episode gets good. It's one of those things where it's exposition, exposition, exposition. Here, here's where this episode gets good. Uh, we're at the jail. There's been a time skip. Barney's by himself. Otis walks in. We get first appearance of Otis this whole season. Uh, Otis is trashed more than we've really seen him before. Um, can I, alright, so Otis, we have missed Otis, and in the past I've been like, Otis, I love this guy, he's the bright spot on the show. He's come back after a minor absence? I do not understand why I ever cared for Otis. Otis <laughs> is disgusting. I wish, I wish to squish Otis. I do not care for him. Yeah, they definitely made him filthier during the break, it seems like. Like, he's gross. Like, I just, I want to just, like, like poke him with a stick to get him away from yeah, me. You know what he looks like is that, that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where they wake up Gibbs because he's asleep and drunk with the pigs? 
when they throw he, the buckets of water on him. He, you, you know what he looks like? I'm going to send you a picture of this really quick. He looks like the fucking yellow-eyed demon from Legion. Like, just this disgusting blob of a creature. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you see it? Yeah, just a terrible thing I wish to destroy. Not not a fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I so, wish Otis would go away. I do not want him to be on the show anymore. So, but Otis is on this show, uh, and he's stumbling in, and he's planning to lock himself in there for a long weekend. It's his anniversary, and he does not want to be around his wife. Uh, and Barney says, fine, whatever, you can stay, but I'm going to frisk you and make sure you're not smuggling in any moonshine or any drinks for the weekend. And Otis panics. He distracts Barney and asks Barney to get him something. So he takes a bottle of moonshine while Barney is distracted and he pours it into the water cooler, basically, that's outside of the jail cell, which they call a water crock, which is a phrase I've never heard, but... Yeah. Whatever. He, I think he, I've heard that in, like, westerns or something. Yeah, he, he he dumps it into the water spigot, basically. And he pours the entire mm-hmm. bottle in, uh, and then he steps his way in. Um, Barney calls, or Barney gets a phone call from the mayor, uh, and the mayor lets it slip that the governor is coming, but he does not tell Barney why. Yeah. Barney flips his shit. Barney's, as the one-sentence summary said, Barney's convinced that he's in trouble. Uh, and then he drinks like two or three glasses of of quote unquote water, while Otis is like, "Ah, Barney, Barney, no, Barney, oh, okay, all right, all right." The one thing from this scene, and it kind of like always blows my hair back about this show. Did have has anyone? Does why do they not understand how alcohol works? That like. Alcohol tastes different than water. Okay, they, they they call attention to it in this one. Last time Barney accidentally got drunk, number one, it was only a little bit. He had just like like a like a ladle full. Uh and this time he has like two or three drinks, but he does look at the crock and he's like, Damn, I need to clean this thing. This shit yeah. tastes funny. It it just kind of is a weird like cause he drinks so much and he's not like like but it's basically vodka cut with water and he's just like yeah, you can't and you can't drink moonshine the way you drink water. Even if it's just basically hard liquor. Like if I put any vodka in any water, it's also it's water. It's not he's not mixing it with like diet coke. If you put any liquor in any water, I'm going to mostly taste the fucking liquor and I won't be like, "Eh, this tastes gross." I'd be like, "Fuck, that is liquor." Like if I drank liquor and I didn't know it was liquor, I would assuming I would assume I'd been poisoned and I need to go to the <laughs> hospital. I don't want to nitpick on that too much because then we wouldn't have an episode, you know. Um, yeah, which is so unlike our show. Anyway, he is immediately plastered because he drinks like I'm gonna say eighteen ounces of moonshine in like three minutes. So yeah, no, he he gets absolutely blitzed. I, Otis, like, kind of watches very mournfully as he, as Barney drinks a shitload of his alcohol. Yeah. And Barney basically says, like, so I think the governor is coming here. He's going to chew me out. He's going to fucking fire me. I'm going to lose my job. And you know what? Fuck Andy for keeping this from me. He's ganging up on me. I'm not going down like this. They want to fire me? They can fire me on my day off. I'm leaving. Drinks more moonshine. Fuck these people. Uh, Which, again. So good. (laughs) 
Like, again, hell yeah, Barney. Barney's on fucking point this episode. Oh, God. Why am I sympathizing with Barney? But, yeah, Barney's like, fuck you, you can't fire me. I'm, well, I'm not quitting, but I'm taking my day off. Yeah, no, because you and I have both been drunk and just be like, fuck this, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. You guys can fucking deal without me. Like, yeah, I've been like that this week. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and you're self-employed, like, we are our own bosses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's there's nowhere like- for us to call in sick to. I, yeah, no, I've I've been like that to a whole variety of people who are like, fuck you, life, I quit. Today I got furious because I looked at my calendar and I saw that there were people asking me to do my job on a Friday. Like, yeah. I was so mad. The fucking gall of The people. fucking gall, the audacity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, Barty is very drunk and he's he, instantaneously... And he's like, no, fuck this. I'm going to leave. Don Knotts' like, drunk has gotten so much better. Uh, so we, we basically get a full 10 minutes of Don Knotts' drunk shtick. And you know what? It's very, very funny. It's uh, pretty good. They don't really give him a lot to do while drunk. They just basically have him do like, I love you. You're my best friend. And hi, and my breath is bad. Oh, but no, like he's, see, his acting of it is pretty good. See, see, I just—I feel like he does. He takes the ride because he starts off like I'm mad at my job. I'm mad at my job. So he's, he starts off drunk, angry, and making bad decisions, and then he gets silly, angry. Like he finds a very dumb, silly, like wide, like Pharrell hat for no reason, yeah. and he's very what, into wearing what? that hat. Yeah, that's the big thing they do. Is like, oh no. Barney Fife is drunk. He's wearing a hat that's not his normal hat. And they act like it's a fucking, like he's wearing a Dr. Seuss hat. And it's just a different hat. That's That was insane. Is they were like, like he walked out in a fedora and they were like, ah! It wasn't even, it he was just like, like a, a five big minute wide applause hat. break. It was like, this is the third time on this show where they've gotten shitloads of laughs out of, Haha, someone's wearing clothes that are slightly too big for them. Uh, Oh, he's wearing the wrong hat. I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Anyway. uh, Flintstones is over there turning dinosaurs into lawnmowers. And also telling kids to smoke. They they were of the opinion that kids should smoke all the time. So Andy comes in. He sees Barney just shit-faced, like stumbling over himself, basically like, I got a hat, Andy. And then... Andy explains what is actually happening, and then, and this is, this is where, like, we're going into straight up sorority girl crying mode. Just like, Andy, I messed everything up! Yeah. And everyone, anyone who's ever had, like, a drunken girlfriend recognizes what is happening right now. And it's so good the way that, that, uh, Don Knotts is playing this. Because I... He, he goes straight from like, I'm no good, Andy. I'm so bad. I screw this up. And then right into like, do you like me? Do you like me, Andy? I like you. Are we friends? Do you really, do you really like me? Come on. You're just saying that. I He, he does like all the drunk phases where he does like angry, self-loathing, sad, and then overly happy. And it kind of made me miss college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the only thing missing was horny. And, like, I'm glad they cut that one. The world cannot process horny Don Knotts yet. 
things to come. You're gonna get plenty of that next week's episode, folks. Keep watching. Yeah. I haven't done, like, like the level of drunk in a really long time of like, I love you! You're my best friend! And do you like me? Because I like you! And you're such a good guy! Like, I haven't been that drunk, and it made me, like, nostalgic. I kind of want to get that drunk, right? Like, I kind of... It made me want to do that. I mean, is that a thing that happens anymore? Because I don't think I've seen someone happy, like, like, I love you drunk in a really long time. I have a mode of drunk called Andre the Giant drunk, where I just get drunk enough that I just recite facts about Andre the Giant to anyone who will listen, and many people who won't. So Yeah, you have busted out Andre the Giant drunk on me a couple of times. Sometimes walking into a social situation I have been having and been like, fuck this. Do you want to hear about Andre the Giant? Yeah, just like, like, just like, hey, what's up, Dan? You talking to this girl? This thing going well? Would this girl like to know about the time that Andre the Giant heated up Robin Wright Penn? On the set of The Princess Bride with just the heat that was emanating off the palm of his hand? <laughs> yeah. Like, Is she I'm just standing in that? there like I I'm just standing there like I am so sorry to hear about your brother. <laughs> hey, did you know that Andre the Giant used to go to restaurants with Arnold Schwarzenegger and would never let him pay for dinner? Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Is that helpful? Am I a good wingman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no andre the drunk marty is a great marty oh shit andre the drunk i mean that's kind of where it comes to because a lot of my andre the giant stories are about andre being drunk he was a prolific drunk yeah he was a he would get really plastered and then fall asleep in hotel lobbies and then they literally could not move him uh so andy god of a man just amazing Andy takes Barney home and somehow manages to get him sober uh, by, I guess, throwing him in the shower and just alternating hot and cold, alt and hot and cold. Which uh, is a remedy I've never fucking heard of. Yeah, I- I've heard cold showers. I've never heard the alternating thing. Uh, and he's pouring Barney a cup of coffee. Barney has sobered up uh, and he's just like, I have no idea what the hell happened. Or how bad are we in trouble right now? And they're... And, Andy says, what's the last thing you remember? And Andy Barney's like, I was drinking water out of the, oh, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it immediately cuts to the mayor who's like, I'm here for the, uh, like, for the governor's ceremony. Where are Barney and Andy? And Otis is like, I don't know, lying. Uh, and then the, go- the mayor is like, well, I guess I'm going to drink some of this water while I tell you, the town drunk. How angry I am. And Otis is like, I'm going to sit back and watch this and expect no repercussions whatsoever. And then it, like, like the mayor starts to drink. Hard cut to uh, Andy and Barney rolling up. Yeah, the thing we we just explained. Andy and Barney roll up. There's another time skip. They meet the governor. The governor is there. Andy and Barney are like, hey, sorry we're late. They shake his hand. The governor shakes Barney's hand. Barney only, like, he's still probably drunk, but he manages to, like, so, like, spit out a thank you. And that's all he has to say. The governor's yeah. like, cool, great meeting you. I gotta leave. Do want to point something out. The governor at no point actually pays his parking ticket. Yeah. At, at no point does he pay that ticket. <laughs> he walks out and he's just like, you see that, boys? That's how you get out of a 
fucking parking ticket. Let's roll. Also, Rance Howard is fired. My chauffeur is absolutely fired. No, Rance Howard is still there at the no, end. No, he is. He is there, but like only, only because like the governor's gonna put out fucking cigarettes on his arm later or some shit. Like, yeah, that is true. Like we're like, oh, the ma- the governor's a great guy. The governor like went home and just like uh like threw meat into a pit where he's keeping a bunch of like teen boys. Like the governor is a. It's an. It's. It's like a rich person in the 1960s. What They're the- They're fucking monsters. What the fuck, dude? Where- that was a weird fucking way to take that, but alright, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving that it's one the, in. It's the 60s and he's a rich person. I'm assuming they're all monsters. I was just saying that he was gonna fire the help. Like, remember, it was Rance Howard that got the fucking parking ticket. The governor wasn't in the car at the time. Oh, no, like, I was suggesting that because he's a governor in the 1960s, he's a sadist. Right, right. Uh, there's like a whole like 120 d- days of Sodom thing going on. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, he's exactly. <laughs> he's got like his own little Sallow happening. There you go, folks. The only Andy Griffith show podcast to reference Sallow. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Come on back for an El Topo reference that I'll awkwardly work in next week. Then they're like, wait, where the hell's the mayor? And Otis kind of points in the other room. The mayor is passed out drunk in the other room. And he stands up. They're like, Mayor, you've missed the governor. And he just fucking falls flat on his face. Does a great pratfall. Good yeah. for the guy who plays the mayor. The stinger is basically nothing. Uh, they yell at Otis. And then they're like, Otis, you, you're you going to be in jail for a while this time. Here, drink some water. And then he spits out the water. Like, holy shit, you guys drink water? What is this? Da-da-da-da-da, whatever. Yeah. Um, good, good episode. Solid, solid, like genuinely very funny, and it's like entirely on Don Knotts. Yeah, like, Don Knotts's drunk performance carries this episode, and I will be. I was laughing my ass off for that like twelve minutes we get of of drunk from pretty much the moment where they set it up. I was I was laughing. It's very funny. So if we're gonna do Andy ratings, Andy meter, like this ranks pretty high for me. I'm gonna say like. I want to say it's like an eight because like the the intro to it is boring as shit it takes a while to get in but yeah the latter half of it is good enough that like i'm gonna give it an eight yeah I'm, I'll, I'll give it like an eight too it's good it's kind of weird to watch barney fife become a good character i think the character that i kind of understand why people like we're, we're like, developing a begrudging respect for barney fife at this point He's frequently right so far. Like, he's, it's kind of a give and take. He's kind of wrong. He's kind of right. He's dumb, but he's, like, no longer a super bad person. Uh, he's just kind of, like, becoming a dude. Uh, it's good? Yeah. I don't know. I kind of miss Monster Barney. I kind of miss hating Barney Fife's guts. I feel like we're going to get Monster Barney pretty soon. And if we don't get Monster Barney, we're going to, once he comes back, I feel like we're going to get Monster Floyd. Yeah. Pretty soon. Like, Devil Floyd. Barney meter. Um, yeah. I think it's a zero. I think it's yeah, a zero. hard no, zero. Nothing, nothing really offensive comes out of this. Like, uh, no, it's nothing upsets bo- me morally good it's about how you should hold public officials accountable yeah if you can extrapolate any moral from this whatsoever it's that you uh should hold your public account officials accountable and uh i don't know don't drug drinks 
Yeah, yeah. So, you, sh- you should you should not spike your friend's drinks. They do specifically it, say he spiked it. They say he spiked the water crock. Don't spike drinks, and powerful people shouldn't be allowed to get away with crimes. I agree with both of those statements. I mean, it's. I think it's. It might be the first one that deserves like a negative. Like there's actually a moral because everything else we've ever encountered that we put gave like a zero or a one, it was just kind of like pointless. Yeah. There's, we can. Like, if we stretch, can hit some kind of moral to this episode for the first fucking time in three seasons. If I really fucking dug deep and did something about, like, the masculine dynamics between the mayor and Andy, I could pull something out of my ass. It's good, though. Yeah, it's good. It's like a negative one. It's not incredible, but it's like, it's fine. It's fine. Good. It's a good, solid episode of television. That's all I got. All right, you want to you want to roll up with uh, the very next episode, the one that actually came before this. Yeah, uh, Andy Griffith boy fights. Boy fight. We got ourselves yeah. a boy fight. It's our second boy fight. This one's worse. Yeah, uh, th- th- this next episode is. It's really kind of a shut up and play the hits one. Uh, it's kind of all right. So this is their second episode of Opie has to fight another child. And the last one was just, like, I don't super remember what it was about, but it was, like, Opie's gotta, like, throw down with a bully to get him to stop bullying him. And this one's, like, Opie's gotta kick this kid's ass to save America. The stakes got very high very quickly. Opie needs to save the futures of his friends by fighting another boy. And the only thing preventing him from accomplishing that is his father refusing to let him finish the sentence. We are, of course, talking about... Season 3, Episode 14, One Punch Opie. Originally airs December 31st, 1962. Written by Harvey Bullock and directed by 30 to 50 feral hogs invading his yard, (laughs) Bob Sweeney. Come on down to Bob Sweeney's Cufflink Emporium. And here's the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Opie learns to stand up to an older new boy in town who likes to cause trouble. So yeah, this is like, it's just... It's every Opie episode we've ever seen, like, kind of wrapped up into one, basically. Yeah. Like, but, like, with new grown-up Opie. Like, the other right. ones were, like, like, precocious little kid Opie. And now it's, like, boy Opie. And it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. Like, they, they are kind of getting to the point, like, oh, this dude's about, this kid's about to hit puberty. Like, we, we, what, what can we do with his new, like, hormonal anger? Um, he, like yeah they kind of do like in the previous episodes when opie has had to be in a fight he's like pa how do you make a fist and what is a fight pa and then this one opie just rolls and he's like hey old man i need permission to beat some ass all right yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> there's some fisticuffs that need to happen i understand but shit's gotta go down even opie says like i'm not trying to start nothing but you need to give me permission to go finish it. Yeah, uh, Obi, Obi straight up comes in and he's just like, listen, old man, you're the sheriff. I need you to look the other way for a couple of minutes because daddy Opie's got to take care of some fucking business. Yeah, there's some ass that needs beaten in town and only Opie can beat it. So I need you to shut up. We've known for years now, Opie's a fucking savage and they are letting the savage out. Yeah. 
It is. It's actually Opie fucking rules this episode. Opie is a stone cold badass. Opie is Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Like he don't start nothing, but he fucking finishes it. And the only impediment to Opie solving the episode like thirty seconds in is Andy. Uh, yeah. And Andy basically has to solve the Sherlock Holmes mystery of why he should let Opie do what he needs to fucking do. Uh, so here we go. We're starting off at the jail. Opie is doing some chores and he says to Andy, hey, I want to go fishing with the guys. Can I finish my chores later? And Andy's like, uh, I don't know. Right. You promise to do your finish your chores as soon as you get back. You promise. All right, fine. You can go, but you do your chores immediately when you get back. Opie's like, woohoo, yeah, I get to go fishing. And he leaves. Barney, like, sees all this. Uh, and there's a very long, ongoing bit about Barney being like, listen, I've never gotten involved. I've never interfered in your family. Lies. I'm not going to tell you how to do any of this. But you're fucking up, my dude. You're fucking up. <laughs> Which is basically Barney Five saying, like, listen. The Andy Griffith show doesn't exist. <laughs> but if it did... Like, it's basically Barney Fife being like, we have not done two and a half seasons of this already. Like, yeah. Listen, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that the core premise of this show has happened. But... Uh, and... Yeah. So, and then he, um, he basically does like a whole thing of basically saying um i don't want to tell you how to raise your boy but i'm going to tell you how to raise your boy you shouldn't have let him go out before doing his chores you should have made him do it and there's actually a fucking fantastic bit here that i really enjoyed uh, he's like, like he's like i would never let my son do that and andy andy seizes that moment he's like your son now i didn't know you had a son who's the mother yeah who's the mother uh, Kind of calling out, like, Barney's weird, like, infidelity. And Barney's like, no, if I had a son, my hypothetical son. And Andy's like, dude, you gotta pick a, a mom first to raise your children. Andy yeah. says having so much fun. And Barney's like, listen, if I got married, and if I if I had met someone, and if we fell in love, and if I got married, and if we had a son, or if I had a, a child, and if it was a boy, I wouldn't, I would make him do the chores. Which is a weird thing for Barney to say, considering he's been in a committed relationship for at least three <laughs> yeah. years. Andy, Andy is like, so who would you have a son with? And Barney is like, no idea. <laughs> zero, <laughs> zero ideas whatsoever. There's Definitely not my girlfriend of several years. Uh, <laughs> it's an open field right now. She has equal chance as any other woman in America. Honestly, anyone could take that. It's anybody's game. Like, Thelma Lou is, do like, she doesn't even have advantage. She's, it's not even like, like, maybe Thelma Lou. It's just like, who? I don't the know. Word, the words Thelma and Lou are not mentioned at all this scene. Yeah. And yeah, Andy, so Andy kind of it basically Andy says like you don't have a fucking son shut up also speaking of people that don't do their jobs when I ask them to I asked you to do something like 10 minutes ago and you haven't done it yet and then yeah. and then Barney throws the file down that Andy just asked him to file and runs away and still doesn't do the job that that Andy asked it's fucking fantastic uh it's it's one of the best bits i've seen on this show because andy basically like barney basically says um well if you let opie get away with this one day he'll hold a job and he won't do uh and he won't do what he's told and and he's like 
hey, did you file those things I told you to file, motherfucker? Uh, basically, yeah, the whole gist of it is, like, don't tell me how to raise my fucking kid, and also you're bad at your job. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, so, it's like the so, angriest Andy's been on the show. <laughs> but he's also, like, having fun, just like, alright, you gave me an opportunity, I'm gonna fuck with you. Uh, he's when, super when, mean to Barney for the rest of the episode, <laughs> which is great. When, when, when Barney storms off, Andy doesn't even seem all that mad about it. He's just amused. Yeah. It's just <laughs> so, like, fuck you, man. So shut up. Shut the fuck up. Uh, so, so, uh, Opie goes and he meets with, uh, his, like, posse, right? And uh, there's a new older kid and he's in charge, this little, like, tiny Thomas Hayden church looking motherfucker. And, uh, they're doing a weird, they call it Indian wrestling, which seems very racist to me, but they're doing, like, a weird handshake wrestling. Yeah. Like, where they're like they're like holding each other's hands and trying to push each other over, and finally one kid trips the other. I don't really understand the rules of this. Whatever. Yeah, I don't understand how it could possibly work. It's like the uh, the knife fight thing in uh, West Side Story, but they don't have knives. It's really weird. But uh, the new boy knocks the other one down. He says like, "Who else wants to Indian wrestle?" Um, and the other kids are like, "I'm good." Yeah, no, uh, it's fine. Let's also point out that this kid is probably, like, a year older and, like, a foot taller than everyone else. He's too old to be hanging out with these kids. Like, yeah. He's he's definitely, like, bordering on 12, and everyone else is, like, 9 and 10. But So, this episode operates on the idea that uh, boy groups have an alpha, and the alpha can make all the other boys do things that they do not want to do. Which, I... Do not remember whether or not that was the case for me. I think it was like kinda. We had we had our meanest friend who we were afraid of his cruelty. Dan, I can't imagine that young Dan had more than two friends at maximum. So <laughs> three motherfucker, and we still managed to have an alpha. Definitely wasn't you. <laughs> yeah, anyone can suggest anything to you. Like, hey, let's start a podcast, and you'll just go with it. I'll just do it. People can just tell me to do things, and I'll be like, I don't even have a thought of whether or not that is a good idea <laughs> but here, here's what happens in this scene and like all the kids are like hey all right opie's gonna show up and we're gonna go fishing and the new alpha kid's like fishing fishing is stupid fishing's for dumb dorks you know what we're gonna do we're gonna have some fun we're gonna go steal apples <laughs> and what what it in, in, in what universe is like do how do you plan to go steal apples how is yeah. that your entire afternoon number one i don't understand how the act of going and basically you're just going and doing illegal apple picking right the and thing that you don't want to do with your girlfriend this guy's suggesting that we do but just illicitly but also how can that take more than a couple of seconds yeah i'm gonna go swipe some apples haha -ha, swipe some apples now fucking what if allegedly I had ever done crimes in my life, I it would allegedly have been not very much fun. Like, allegedly stealing something is allegedly pretty fucking stressful. Uh, and not an idea of a good time for me, allegedly. Like, it's always allegedly, like, a means to an end. Like, I need this thing, and therefore I have to go through the very allegedly stressful 10 to 15 minutes of doing crime... And now, allegedly, I have a bunch of stuff from Sephora. Uh, like, it's not, it's a means to an end. It's just weird that someone's just like, 
recreationally, let's just go do crimes. The fun thing. I mean, the thing is, they're apples. You live they're in the woods. Apples. You can get apples anywhere. You're not stealing them. They're just go out. Go up. You're in fucking Mayberry. This like idyllic fucking shithole paradise. Just go up and be like, hey, Mr. Johnson, can I have some apples? And someone will be like, yeah, here you go. Nothing matters here. There are definitely wild apple trees. There are definitely apple trees just growing around. You can just go get them. Yeah. On your way to go fishing. You're in the first scene from Wizard of fucking Oz. Just like, oh, do you want literally anything? Go ask an old man with a handlebar mustache. He'll throw it at you. It's great. This town, nothing means anything in this fucking town. Uh, Opie shows up and Opie's like, hey, guys, are we going to go fishing? And... The new kid, Steve Quincy is his name. Number one, he notices that Opie rhymes with Dopey. And all the other kids are like, fuck, did we never figure that out before? You can call him Dopey? Oh, shit. Uh, Honestly, after that happened, I was like, man, Dopey Opie is such a shitty nickname. And then I was like, I'm going to think of a better one. Couldn't beat Dopey. He kind of nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Got it in one. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Steve says, like, we're not going fishing anymore. We're going to do something way more fun. We're going to go steal apples. And Opie says, I think I'd rather go fishing because I think I'd rather do literally anything than the thing you're suggesting. Look, the next time I see some fucking Facebook, uh, like, grandpa posting, like, oh, we did stuff. We were running, roaming around the streets as kids. And we drank from the hose and we got our... T- our- we got our hides whipped or whatever, and it was great. I'm just going to show them this episode, because if this episode is any indication of what it was like to be a child in the 60s, it sucks ass. Yeah. What these boys are doing sucks. Your options are fishing or crime. End of things. It sucks shit. Like Fishing it's... Or, or the mildest of crime. The weakest of crime. Stealing apples ha 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 i've got a nutritious snack and you can't stop me what yeah like it's not even like good crimes they're not joyriding a car they're they're stealing nutritious delicious fruit it's so lame do you remember season one season one where where opie and his friends pulled an actual prank by stealing a car i mean they they put a car in neutral they put a car in neutral and moved it but that's still technically stealing a car. So Opie's already done more, like, better shit than what Steve Quincy's suggesting. Okay, Steve Quincy repeatedly makes these boys do fucking crimes. He has them steal apples and peaches and tomatoes. Why is Steve Quincy making sure all of his friends get fiber through illicit means? <laughs> Why is that his fucking move? Like, he's only steering, see, like, spherical growths. It's so weird. Like, steal meat, Steve Quincy. Or at least something like that. Yeah, I'm sorry, kids are supposed to avoid vegetables. Why is your plan to just steal healthy things? Like, (laughs) hey guys, I got an idea for our next heist. Let's go steal some celery and spread some peanut butter on it and have ants on a log. A healthy, nutritious snack. I'm me, Steve, (laughs) the badass. (laughs) Oh my god, Steve's gonna lose his shit when he's introduced to candy. (laughs) Yeah, why are they not stealing candy? 
There's a store that has ice cream, you little dipshit. I would take fish over fruit in a million years. So dumb. So, so, so all the other kids leave to go steal apples. With and Opie's like, Hamburglar over here. <laughs> Fuck you, Steve. I hate you. Fucking Steve. Steve sucks. I gotta Steve point sucks out. Steve sucks ass. Steve's the worst <laughs> bad boy ever. This child actor sucks shit too. Like yeah, everything he says kind of sounds like, ah, oh, come on. Like everything he said, his, like, I'm a tough guy voice is John Mulaney's I'm being taken advantage of voice. Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> From the episode title, One Punch Opie, I really thought that it was going to be, uh, Opie fucking knocks out this kid in the first scene, and then the rest is Opie, like, reconciling with the fact that he's a super tough badass. And so, like, the, the first scene, I was like, fucking knock him out, Opie. Hell yeah, I hate Just this kid. I can't it. wait to fucking see him get knocked it. on his ass. Uh, and then that did not happen. Let's uh, go ahead and let's go ahead and say right now, like we are denied the one punch. Like yeah. that title is a lie. Opie does not beat this kid up. Listen, I was so excited to make a one punch man reference based off of this episode. I got nothing. I looked at it from every possible angle. There's nothing. Uh, he does. I- he does punch Barney. Barney mm-hmm. does one of those like, oh, you can't hurt me. Just hit me as hard as you can thing. And he punches Barney and, and that, that's it. Uh, but here's 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 why this episode is supposedly called One Punch Opie. Um, there is a deleted scene and the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki tells me about this scene. Um, and you're going to love this shit. An earlier version of this script had Andy actually visit Steve's dad, who has always been involved in sports and earned money boxing to put himself through graduate school. (laughs) Wait, he taught these skills to his son, Steve, but admits his son mistook the meaning of being strong for being tough. And that's why he turned out to be a bully. He then instructs Andy that Steve has one weakness in fighting and is susceptible to one punch. A right cross, because he always drops his left. This is where the episode gets his title of One Punch Opie. So in the original script, in the original script, two adults conspired together to give one child a fighting advantage over another child. Steve's dad in the original script was like, my son is a piece of shit. Here's how your son can beat my son up. Can we do a fucking reading of that episode? Because that sounds so kick-ass. It sounds so good. I want want that episode. We're not talking about this episode anymore. We're talking about this magical episode. The best episode of the Andy fucking Griffiths show. If they'd done this episode, I would have said, like, Marty, we can stop. We're free. We're done. We Because we saw the zenith of what this show is capable of. A boy fight with moral underpinnings that sounds great. Of course it's a right cross, too. That's kick-ass. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. This dad just, just snuck snuck information to Andy, who then went and gave it to his son to go beat this kid up. That's oh, it. No boy. moral... A boy beat the shit out of another boy, and it required two adults to go like, yeah, this guy this has to go down. This is the only way to handle this, <laughs> is for this boy to whoop another boy's ass. 
But that's not what we fucking got. What we got was we got zero punches. Mm. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fucking fast forward. The way that this actually gets resolved is uh, Opie like at the last scene or so stands up for himself. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna fight you. I'm gonna fight you." And the older boy's like, "Oh yeah, well." come here and uh cross this line and opie crosses the line uh and he's like yeah i bet you can't knock this chip off my shoulder that's where that phrase comes from you can't knock this wood off my shoulder and opie knocks it off and uh but eventually the boys the older boy's like uh you know what i don't you know you're not worth it i'm not even gonna fight you and all the other boys are like he does the um the looney tunes thing of like cross this line cross this line cross this line uh, like he does that. He um he uh has them like step into a circle and then when he realizes that Opie means it, he's like, You're lucky I'm wearing my new pants and I don't want to uh uh and I don't want to get them all messed up. Um Yeah, and so so he wusses out and that's how that's how Opie wins the fight and becomes the alpha again. That's yeah. the end of this episode. That is um, like the the other boy is basically like well, all these kids like me better. And they're like, no, we don't. But more importantly, the boys are just like, you're no longer the alpha. Your your authority has been displaced. If you had beat Opie up, you would still be our favorite. Yeah, let's uh, be clear here. Like, this kid is still bigger than Opie. Like, he could just shove Opie. Yeah. Um, which it does kind of like, if we have to extrapolate a lesson... It's uh basically like, hey, if you have a problem, fight the person. Not because you'll win or it's the right thing to do, because they'll back down. It'll go fine. Bad people are cowards. Don't don't worry about it. Which I don't know, it's fine. In terms of lessons the Andy Griffith show has taught is like a two early uh Barney Fife score. I don't yeah, um, whatever. I don't give a shit about this. Yeah. Um, um the the kind of great thing is Opie basically like comes in and he's like, Hey, I gotta go kick this other boy's ass for these reasons and oh and he's like Into the jail. Opie. He into the jail. He's he's telling he comes in and he tells Andy, Hey, what we talked about earlier, hey dad, I need you to stop being sheriff for a couple of minutes because I gotta go fuck up a kid for these reasons. He's And and Andy's like, I'm not gonna listen to those reasons. And that's because I'm busy solving the mystery of why all the boys in town are misbehaving. I wonder what it possibly could be. I need to painstakingly solve this fucking mystery of why the boys are being bad. And then at the very end, he's like, it's almost as if there's an evil bad boy in town. And if another boy fought him, all the boys would become good again. If only there was a way to solve this. And Opie's like, that's all I fucking needed. And then just like walks out and does the whole like climax scene. Yeah. But you basically have to watch, you basically have to watch Andy be the world's shittiest Sherlock Holmes. He like, (laughs) he barely deduces that there's a bad influence on the town. Uh, All right. So so there's, there's a scene where like, Opie comes up, like, all these kids are just hanging out in this yard and throwing apple cores at each other. I guess that's fun now. Uh, and Opie comes up, Steve immediately talks shit, uh, and he's like, hey, Opie, why don't you throw this apple at a lamp? Because that's a fun thing to do, because we're children in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, Opie throws it, he misses, Steve says, you bitch, 
and he takes another apple and he throws it and he breaks the lamp and then they shove the apples into Andy's uh, or they shove the apples into Opie's hands and then they all take off and that's when uh, Andy pulls up and Andy's like what happened here Andy you were down the street Andy you saw this you you were in a car driving this direction 20 feet away oh like use any deductive reasoning like if if andy imagine an episode of law and order where andy is the fucking cop like he would arrest the jogger every single time like it's it's very confusing because like andy comes in and he's like opie did you did you break that lamp who broke that lamp well, why don't you go ahead and round up those boys that I just saw running and tell them to come to the sheriff's office because I got to have a word with them. And number one, do it yourself, Andy. That is literally your only job. And number two, if you were close enough to see that there were other boys running, how did you not see one of them break the lamp? And more importantly, when Andy... uh like has the boys come in he's like is this all of them and the boys are like yeah all of us except one stevie who thinks you can fuck yourself and andy's like that doesn't seem important uh anyway boys who are here i'm going to tell you how bad it is to do crimes he's so no, 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 dumb no 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 andy andy doesn't try to tell him how bad it is to do crimes andy's just like listen boys you're gonna get beaten by your dad you do this again, I'm going to go tell your dads, and your dads are going to beat you with a stick. Yeah, Y'all got he, that? Okay, now leave. And then Barney's like, just a goddamn minute. And then Barney tries to do a scared straight program. He does his whole shtick where he's like, listen, come over here to the jail. If you keep on doing crimes, you're going to have to be in this jail, and you're going to lose all your freedom, and you can't have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's a very weird thing that he makes, specifies. Uh, and you know, when he says you can't have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, that's setting up for another joke featuring the Sticky Boy. <laughs> the Sticky Boy Leon. He's going to come in later. little boy in a cowboy vest. This <laughs> gross little boy who anytime he walks through a room with a pet in it walks out covered in dog hair so leon, leon's not in this scene but he will be in a scene later anyway you know what fucking happens here barney's doing his whole scared straight shtick he's telling the kids you know you're gonna lose all your freedoms you got we gotta nip this thing in the bud and he locks himself in the cell and andy doesn't let him out yeah yeah so uh, how are we doing this? We're basically doing like a hero style time skip. <laughs> like we're going forward and backward in time. The only other thing that happens here is that uh, the next scene, uh, a shopkeeper runs into the jail uh, and he's just like, those kids stole my tomatoes and threw them at me. Those kids pelted me with my own tomatoes. This poor you... fucking grocery store owner. Why must I suffer this indignity of these uh of these fucking kids pelting me with my own tomatoes? I want to be very clear here. The shop owner looks like the Pringles man. Yeah. <laughs> He's basically all I expect Mamma Mia, why are you throwing the tomatoes at me? Like He looks like uh, he belongs. I don't even remember if he has the mustache or not, but in my brain, he looks like he belongs in a fucking pizza box. Yeah, no, it's he's he's just so pathetic in that moment. He's like, and they stole my tomatoes, and then I chased him. 
they hit me with my own tomatoes. I Why would this happen to me? And Andy's like, cool, cool, get the fuck out of my office. Opie hears this thing going down, and that's when Opie's like, all right, fine. If you're not going to take care of shit, Dad, looks like it's Opie's turn. Yeah. And then he does the thing we already talked about, mm-hmm. where he stands up, blah, blah, blah. Finally, at the end, Opie and Andy are talking in the jail. They're talking about, like, I don't know. That's not going to be an issue anymore. No one likes to hang out with Steve. Uh, this kid will just be alienated and isolated. <laughs> and that certainly won't end in, like, more violent tendencies as he gets older. Uh, this Jesus kid definitely- Christ, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. They basically just set Steve up to be, like, an actual literal criminal. Yeah, you, you, you know what you should definitely do if you start seeing, like, bad behavior from a child who has moved multiple times and is having trouble fitting in and doesn't have a father figure around because Aunt B points out that, like, his father is gone uh, most of the time. So you've got this lonely kid who has been moved around and is now hanging out with a bunch of kids way younger than him and doesn't have a spot. You know what you should do with that kid? Isolate him further. Make him a pariah. That will not at all backfire on you. Fucking, they even, it would be one thing if the Andy Griffith show was just like, he's a bad kid. But instead they're like, no, we're going to painstakingly lay out the reasons why he behaves this way. And why it's sympathetic that he's an asshole. And we're just not going to deal with him. (laughs) They give him a backstory that they completely ignore. Like, yeah. Like, they, Wait, they he, give very rational reasons for this kid to be acting this way, and then they're like, but also he's just a fucking dick. So, you know. in the other, like, version of this script, it's so much better, because they're like, okay, so here's why he's an asshole, and here's how their actions kind of resolve it. Like, they do teach him a thing about violence that he hopefully learns from, and this, they're just like, you got a shitty boy here, there's good yeah. reasons for it. Fuck that boy. Fuck him. He learns nothing. Uh, uh, and and the fi- the final scene is that, like, all the boys roll in without Steve, but with Leon for some reason. And yeah. They're all going to go fishing. Uh, except for Leon. Again, Leon just wandering the streets. No parents. Clearly not part of this group of kids. No, the other he kids- just drifted in with them. They left the door open and Leon came in. Because the other kids leave and Leon stays. Yeah. Uh, he didn't enter with them. And uh, they're not like, oh, Leon, let's go find your parents. They're like, oh, hey, Leon. Yeah, do whatever you fucking want. He, yeah. Barney asked him to close the door. <laughs> like, Right. And, that, and that's the joke. Barney's like, hey, Leon, could you close the door? And Leon closes the door to the cell and he locks Barney in. Leon is less like an actual child character on the show of the Andy Griffith Show. And he's like some sort of weird forest imp that like is not bound by the laws of man or God who can just drift around town doing as he pleases. And all the like the only thing he pleases is to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and wear a cowboy hat. The actual Leon has been missing for six months. He went into the forest and this changeling beast came back. Leon's parents are just afraid. They just let the they just let the the demon Leon do whatever he wants because the the the, the repercussions are are terrible. And it's just like Leon's mother just yelling, "That's not my child. That's not my child. That's not my child. My child's allergic to peanut butter." <laughs> 
Yeah, they were like Andy. There was like a, a one month period where Andy was like, "Listen, Margaret, you gotta start keeping a better eye on Leon. You you can't let him just be wandering around." And she's just like, "I locked the doors. I do not know how he got out, Andy. But do you understand? I'm really afraid. I keep trying to keep him in my house. He just he's just suddenly on the other side of town." He bought a car in my name. I don't know how he did that. Oh, and oh, like, oh! Are we are we saying it's more, it's less of a changeling situation and more of an orphan idea? Is Leon baby situation? No, no, no. I like I like the idea that maybe Leon is actually like that's why he never talks. He's a yeah. Russian dwarf who yeah. signed himself up for adoption. <laughs> as, as, he doesn't speak as, English. Can we talk about fucking Orphan for a second? Because has a twi- like, all right. Uh, sorry to people who haven't seen Orphan yet, because that movie actually fucking rules. Because you think it's like eleven movie- years old. Yeah, you think it's a movie about a haunted little girl who's like a demon or something, and she's just a little person who's been pretending to be a child. So she's she like a, can- she's like a forty year old Russian dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who's doing that so that she can kill her mother and fuck the dad and it's like i saw that in theaters because i used to work in a movie theater and i could see things for free and that is one of the only movies where i've been like what the fuck <laughs> it's it's a good fucking film guys see orphan even though i just explained the only good reason to see orphan anyway he locks barney in the in the jail cell that line from the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that Barney mentioned earlier comes up. Like, the only reason to write that fucking line. Yeah. Leon offers some sandwich, as he is wont to do, and Andy's like, nah, Leon, Barney can't have that. You can't have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in prison. Yeah, uh, it's a dumb line that is, like, painstakingly set up. Like, we make the jack-off motion for the entire end credits, like... Yeah, it's the worst. Uh, I do hope Leon sticks around so that we can just continue to be like, What is Leon? Like, I like that we went from, like, one episode to being like, Like, alright, where are Leon's parents? What is Leon's deal? To, like, what is Leon? Now, who is Leon? I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry, Dan. Did you say you hope Leon sticks around i'm gonna throw my fucking beer at my laptop you are so lucky we can't record in person anymore because i would be crawling across the table to strike you <laughs> fucking a let's do andy and barney meters or whatever all right andy meter this episode is shit this episode sucks i was so i went through a journey where at first like when we started i was like this episode sucks and then when i was talking about it, i was like this episode's actually kind of good and then you told me what this episode could have been and i'm like this is the worst episode of television i've ever seen this episode of tv based off of what you've told me it's it's like opening a christmas present uh that contains a turd in it and being told that it was supposed to be the transformer that i always wanted like it's a cruel mockery of an episode now uh so it's a zero fuck you i'm gonna give this episode like a one uh because opie punches barney and that's funny yeah i'm gonna say barney meter's pretty high because we just uh, like we just got a super villain backstory basically like this is definitely like the origin story of how steve turns into a felon like, yeah, like this is the backstory of a like group meeting where it's like, how did I get all fucked up? Well, one time there was this town called Mayberry 
I was yeah. looking for, I was looking for human connection wherever I could find it. And this one boy just completely punked me and the entire town ostracized me. And anyway, that's why how I started doing heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is this is disturbing. This is upsetting. So uh eight eight on the Barney meter for me. Yeah, like, yeah I'll put up an eight. It's like it's a pretty fucking bad one. It's dark. It's deep and dark. You you have to think ag- about it for a minute, but there's some bleakness. And again, it would have been fine if they were just if the show committed to Steve's just a shitty kid. But instead they give Aunt B like a monologue explaining uh Steve's entire backstory. Like so there's there's clear reasons there that they're just like, nah, fuck it. Yeah, they could have just told me he's a bad boy. And I would have been like, okay, Andy Griffith show, based off of your internal logic, sure, bad kids are bad. Um, and so they're like, no, yeah, he's a thinking, feeling human being. That is the result of his environment. Beat his ass. Kick his ass. <laughs> fuck him up. Fuck up this child. You hate this boy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for us um i don't think we're getting better than that uh as always folks uh if you want to get us on the internet uh we are on twitter at break mayberry facebook.com slash breaking mayberry instagram breaking mayberry patreon.com slash breaking mayberry if you want to support us with your money and if you don't want to support us with your money but you want to support us at all go ahead and give us those subscriptions and reviews and ratings need some of that shit um on twitter i am at schneid remarks that's s-c-h-n-e-i-d remarks i'm at the luds two of those d's uh tweet at ron howard and ask him whatever what he thinks ever happened to steve like, yeah i wonder if he's ever thought about this since then tweet at ron howard and ask if he's ever been in a fight i feel Ooh, like that's he... a good one too yeah yeah ask if ron howard's ever thrown hands Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Ron Howard is at real Ron Howard. That's it for us. The uh, The music you heard at the beginning and the end was done by Max Ludwig, who is at Sleep Talkie on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.com slash TV slash Sleep Talkie, something like that. However Twitch uh, works, he's, he's Sleepy Talk. He's Sleep Talkie. Find him, he's great. And that's it for us. Next week or next time we'll be t- doing our mid-season break where Dan and I are going to explain Don Knotts movies to each other. It's going to work fantastic. We will see you all down at the fishing hole.